What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. MSW Media. Hi, this is Jack Maxwell. I used to have a show called Booze Traveler, but the real Booze Traveler is Dan Dunn, and you're listening to him right now. It's called What We're Drinking. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Hey, ho, let's go. Hey, now. Hi, everybody. It's Dan. Welcome to the show. Got a fun one for you today. Our old pal Joe Beatrice, Barrelcraft Spirits, is going to be with us. Joe's always good for laying knowledge on us about the about whiskey. Makes one of the best brands in America. Also on the show, speaking of old friends, Jack Maxwell, the booze traveler himself, will be here. You and I are going to be drinking some barrel together. I need it, man. I am. I'm telling you, I'm coming to you banged up right now, my friends. I went to the Rocky Mountains recently, Aspen, Colorado. Uh, friends at the McAllen invited me. They were unveiling a new expression from their fine and rare collection, the 1990 McAllen. I went out to Aspen for the unveiling of that. Went snowboarding. I'm, a, I'm actually a good snowboarder. I used to teach snowboarding when I lived in Colorado many, many years ago. What I lost sight of was the fact that that was many, many years ago. And I got up, I went boarding. It was tough conditions, like whiteout conditions. I was trying to do things I, I haven't done in many, many years. I'll drop a name here. I was on the hill with my old pal Garrett Dutton, a.k.a. G-Love of G-Love and Special Sauce. Garrett happened to be in Aspen the same time I was there. We're old friends. We got on the hill together, and I took a nasty tumble, fall, and threw my back out. And it sucks. Oh, it sucks. So if I seem a bit loopy today, you can thank the painkillers for that one. Of course, I would never take painkillers while I'm drinking whiskey. So these interviews were recorded at a different time. Um, where was I? Oh, painkillers. Yeah. A couple of things to tell you about before we get rolling with the show's jam-packed show today. Uh, I will be on the Adam Carolla show on Wednesday, March 16th, talking about Irish spirits. You know, there's a holiday this week. I'm going to be on there doing my regular gig on Corolla. Irish stuff. You can tune into that one. Wednesday, March 16th, Adam Carolla's show. But the big, big, big announcement. If anybody in the New York area on Friday, March 25th, we will be back in New York City doing yet another live recording at the Stand Comedy Club on 16th Street right off of Union Square. 
We've done a few in the past. They've been just tons of fun. Uh, our friends at, at, at Hendrix Gin are going to be sponsoring this one. And on the bill that night, it's Friday, March 25th, joining me, comedians. What a lineup, man. Natalie Cuomo, Joe DeRosa, Sean Patton, and Colm Terrell will all be on that stage with me. Friday, March 25th is a happy hour show. The pregame starts at 6 p.m. The show starts at 6.30 p.m. It'll be a good hour-long show, and then we can get on with our night and go out and and tear New York a new butthole. So for tickets, go to thestandnyc.com. Click on March 25th, Friday, March 25th. That is a week from this Friday in New York City. Please, if you're in the area and you can make it, Come up and say hi. I'd love to meet you, unless you're nuts and crazy. Don't squeeze me too hard or anything. I got a bad back. I've already told you this, all right? Let's be cool. For more information about that, again, you go to the Stan New York StanNYC.com, but also I will be posting on my Instagram, at the Imbiber. I think we're posting some stuff on the podcast, Instagram, at WWD underscore podcast. To review, in my painkiller-addled brain, we have Corolla, the 16th. We've got What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn and Friends, Friday, March 25th. I had a snowboarding accident. I know G-Love. Anything else we got to cover? Shit, yeah, we got to get to... We got to get to my friend, Joe. Beatrice. Joe? Joe? Where are you, Joe? Joining me now, an old friend of the show. He's been on numerous times. We love having him on. It's always great to talk to him. And he he is the proprietor, the founder of, you know, I've say, I say it all the time, one of my favorite brands going in these United States, Barrel Craft Spirits, Joe Beatrice. How are you, buddy? I'm great. Good morning. Good afternoon. How are you today? It's good to see you. you you're looking uh, hale, healthy. <laughs> you're sitting in a what is this a laboratory you're in today yeah this is our lab usually a lot of times i do it from my office at home but this is uh, we're blending today uh this is this is our uh, existing facility we're actually building another one um and um uh, this is where the magic happens when you say that and i you know i'm sure people and they hear that all the time on this show today you you come in you're blending what does that look like how how does that impact what i'm going to have in my bottle later what do you do you walk into the lab who is it it's you who else it's trip and nick and will Schrag- trip simpson dick christensen and will Schrager's when he's in town um and we we do all the blending with the blending team so we are um it works it works like this um we have a whiteboard of all the projects we're working on and all the projects of the blends are in various stages of of finished uh finishedness so um so what, what we'll do is if we're working on a particular project or two is it can take us between 20 and 100 different combinations of blends to get it where we want um, and so it, we will, we have a concept for what we want to do for that blend. We have an idea. Um, if it's a batch, for example, that we were looking for this kind of a profile and these flavors and, you know, we want to, we want to mix it up and do something interesting or different. And then we'll pull barrels um, and take samples out of barrels. So you, I've got in front of me, and this is brand new, your batch 32. 
let's let's put it in the context of this whiskey. So you've got a you've in your mind you've got a an idea of what the flavor profile of this whiskey is going to be. So now when you start pulling liquid that's going to go in the do you know, like, all right, I know this one barrel over here is going to definitely be in this blend. And why? How does that, how does that compute in your brain? There could be 100 to 200 barrels in a blend. Um, and it can be made up of anywhere from three to 10 different types of barrels, mash bills, ages, states, whatever we're doing. So what you'll see in here is this afternoon is going to be the, all the tables, we, the tables we completely covered with glasses and marked up with the different combinations and then we'll taste and taste and taste we blind taste everything so we have somebody come in and set them up so we're not biasing anything and then we'll taste and then we'll get uh we'll do profiles on it we'll talk about it and then once we get uh, an agreement on what we like that becomes the final blend it's 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 a very straightforward so this is a very human uh, so this isn't a, this isn't a case of like you, you're bringing in some machine and it goes beep, 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 beep. there we go that's exactly where you want to be it's you tasting it are you even working out the percentages in your head like i want more of this more of this that's not that's not being done by any sort of technology that's human beings yes and we all know each other's palates really well so so and and we all taste it's funny because we taste different for different things sometimes um and so when we start we will start parsing things um it'll be uh, of this barrel set we might have five percent of this seven percent of that twenty percent of another one and we'll start, we, we will cut this as fine as 1% of a different barrel set. And we can taste the difference and it really impacts the flavor. So it's, it's just, it's a very methodical process. It's a constant um, evolution of narrowing things down and, and then seeing where it, where, where it makes an impact, which is always one of the most astounding things to me. When, when we can look at something and a fractional percent can influence the whole of it. So people, different people can taste different things and people, different people can taste, can not taste some things and can taste other things. When you start combining these whiskeys together, you can, because of the chemistry of, the, of that whiskey, it can neutralize a particular flavor profile. It's fascinating to me. And once we know that information, we, we know it, and then we, we know how to work with it in the future. And we know, we know so we, we, we keep notes on everything. And, and so you want to, we want to, sometimes we'll step up to a threshold of a little bit of an impact. And then if it goes too far, we'll dial it back. And it really is, it is, it is, tri trial and error is not the right thing. It's just, it's a, it's a deductive process of us trying and blending and experimenting and tasting. Have you set up boundaries where you go, okay, this is, there is a general flavor profile of barrel, what we do. And we are not going to go outside of this line and we are not going to go outside of this line. Or are you sometimes like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's, you know what? <laughs> this thing tastes completely different than anything we've ever done. And I'm okay with that. You know, I'm, I'm looking right now at the, at the, at the seagrass, which we're going to get into and talk about, which is a, just a, we've talked about it on the show before. It's an amazing whiskey. It, it's a double gold winner at San Francisco world spirits competition. This to me was a lot different whiskey than I had had from you in the past. And mm -hmm. did you know that going in? Did you understand just how much of a departure that was? Or did you not think it was? No, we, it is completely different. And so to answer the first part of the question, our objective is to blend the best tasting product we can, which gives us an incredible latitude. 
uh, it's different from blending to a profile because blending to a profile is a discipline, which we do because we have evergreen products that meaning that we release the, the same rough blend of everything over and over. Again. Your fans of your brand would be disappointed if it didn't taste the way that like they, they have become accustomed to that, right? You've got to deliver that product's got to be there for them. Well, well Seacrest, for example, I, we're, we're, we just blended the, the other day, I believe the ninth or 10th blend of that. And so we're, so we're constantly comparing it to, we blind taste it against all the other ones to make sure it's within a tight range. Um, but that's very different from a, a batch or creating a new product like Seagrass, where we're, we're, our orientation is let's go wherever it takes us and make the best tasting product. And that gives us incredible freedom and power. This is one of the reasons I think that our products are so unique and so different is that we're not constrained by some of these things. So everybody understands what we're talking about here with, with Seagrass. It's a, it's a rye whiskey finished in a Martinique rum cask, Malmsey uh, Madeira cask, and apricot brandy casks, which yep. that, this is the first. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen that combination of finishing cask before. And what I get, and Joe can speak to it better than I can, but when I drink it, what I love about it is it's just, it's got a very tropical, fruity, heart to it you know at the at the base of that but then that combined with the rye that spiciness that herbaceousness of the rye meeting the fruitiness and the the orchard fruits that you're getting there it produces a flavor that i just if i were gonna try to impress friends and say, look, you know, there's a million great whiskeys, Joe, and I know that you love and appreciate this, the spirits being made by your, your, your fellow uh, folks in the industry, and I know you love drinking that, so do I. But if I were going to have a tasting and say, I'm going to line up the most unusual, and I mean in a pleasant way, unusual stuff, that seagrass is going to be in there because there's nothing really like it on the market. Thank you. I, I agree. So that's, a, you know, and that brings up a really interesting concept, which is we have a whole private release line, but we do 96 barrels at a time of wine finishes, whiskey, spirit finishes, Armagnac finish, anything, um, even, a, even a bourbon finish, even a bourbon finish whiskey. And so that gives us an incredible um, uh, pantry of flavor to pick from. And so the apricot one was really interesting because people really responded to it. They, they loved that. And so that was, that was a single finish of a whiskey. And then, then same with a, with a, with an agricole, the agricole, um, it, since it's, since it's so dry and, and, and interesting, it is a great counter to the apricot, which is, can be a little bit sweet, too sweet a coin. But when we're finishing these, it, it, they, and they're in the barrel for different times, it's not that long. It's not that long a finish for the apricot, but you know we might leave it in longer for the, for the Madeira. And also, seagrass is a blend of, of Canadian and American rye. So it's a very complicated blending process. Um, and you're ex what you're we're talking about is exactly what we were going for there, what we love about it. You know, the, the the, the honeydew, the pear, the lychee. And at the same time, there's a salinity. Um, the, there's a salinity and, you know, and the, the tarragon nature of it is all in there. There's a well. texture to it in the finish. It's almost like a uh, 
dusty. You know, like there's an there's a real I know they, the term earthiness gets thrown around a lot, especially in wine, but that's really kind of what I'm getting. Almost like I envision sticking my hand down and there's like a chalky soil and you're like that. I, I get that when I drink it. And then and then the other thing that I love doing with this is you just got I, I like to put a, a little bit of water in there. You know, when I drink it, just a, a couple of drops of water in there. I think it really opens it up and and reveals a lot of other flavors. And it's pretty amazing. Like when you can drink it right out of the bottle and then you go, if I just put a couple of drops of spring water in there, suddenly all the, it's like a, another room opened up in the house. You didn't know it existed. You know, you're like, wait a minute. Now I'm getting orange peel and papaya, but it's pretty nuts that just a little bit of water can change the whole, the whole thing. Yeah, it will. And you know, one of the things we do is, so everything is cast rank. We don't, the only water we have here is a drink. Um, and so the, we, we will though, after we get a final blend, we'll proof it down to see what it tastes like if somebody were to add water to it, because sometimes it really changes things. It is, it's what I'm always fascinated by is sometimes when you add water, something will get hotter. Yeah. Even if it's a drink, it, it's it's crazy how that works, but that's just that's just the way it is. The other thing to, that I wanted to mention is, and this is not for today's show, but um, with the um, gray label seagrass that we did, it was 100% Canadian rye, so there's no American rye in there. And so what where and it's the same combination of uh, finishes in different percentages. But it's it's a it's it, if you take seagrass and sort of that lush sweetness and, and complexity, and you strip out some of the sweetness, you have a whiskey that is leaner, but has all of those flavor components sort of at a higher level. It's a totally different experience, and it's it's sometimes we'll we'll try that. Absolutely, show. totally different thing. I want to I want to ask you while I have you because you know you're this is your business. We are two years, almost exactly, into when the COVID lockdown began here in America. How has it impacted it these past two years? What's it done, and what's coming? That's a that's a pretty big question. Thank you. For <laughs> yeah. So I so from our experience, and and I think that what I would say, what's been really interesting in this process is, I'm not the process. In what's been interesting over the last couple of years is people are not drinking less. They're drinking a little bit differently. They, people tend to be gravitating more toward premium spirit. I think that that's clearly happening. Is that because people were cooped up in their homes and you know the pleasures of life were few and far between in terms of we weren't going to restaurants? So, and people decided, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to treat myself, man. If I'm stuck in this house and I'm going to be drinking whiskey, I'm watching movies, I'm watching Netflix, I'm doing whatever, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step it up. I'm going to treat myself to the barrel, you know, one of the batches from barrels. That do you think that's what happened? You had to get take it where you could. I mean, it was you know it, it was a whole new world in 2020. I mean, nobody nobody knew anything about anything that was going to happen, and and so I think that that you know people were living life a little bit differently, and it, and some of those changes, which is the ad- adaptation I'm talking about, have, have changed the way we do things. So there's I think there's a whole consumer behavior and. Um, dimension of this, which is different from how it affected the the any business because of supply chain issues. It was just the way that I, I approached it for our company is 
I didn't know what the future held, but I wanted to make sure that we had everything we needed to produce, everything we needed according to our goals for the next couple of years. So I locked everything down, put everything in place, bought everything, governing in the country. So we, we took you were anticipating that. shortages, and so you you stocked yeah. up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think smart. You know. Well, after the first week when there's no toilet paper or paper towels, it's like, maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> I never got that, by the way, because we'd go to the store and that was the thing that was gone was the toilet paper. And I'm thinking there's more important stuff, like not to get gross here, but I could shit and get in the shower if need be. But like the other stuff that you really need, I'm like, well, no one's really stocking up on, you know, like there would be food items and things, but toilet paper. People were very worried about wiping their ass at the beginning of COVID. And I was like, what, what's going on here? It's There's a workaround. But whenever there's a, an, any kind of bad weather, at least here in my experience in New York as well, is the first thing that sells are paper products and milk, which I, I I don't know how much milk you drink. I don't drink a lot of milk <laughs> these days. <laughs> it goes. I mean, it's just gone. <laughs> Does anybody ever go into a restaurant and be like, hey, uh, I'll take a glass of whole milk, please? They'd look at you like you're crazy, right? <laughs> a lot of kids. I guess you got to keep your kids in milk. I guess that's sort of yeah, how it goes. Yeah, I don't but, got any of those things. So, so I think that that's been, I mean, that, that's affected the way that the companies are operating in this space. You know, there is there are glass shortages. I mean, there it's a very real problem. Um, glass shortages are a result of raw material supply chain issues. So you know, and you think you know, a bottle's made out of sand, and you got to get the sand to the to the factory. The factory's got to put it together. Got to get it out. They got to ship it out. Every one of those at each one of those points, there have been issues with supply chain, which which really affect things. So there've been real shortages in in components like glass. Does that even out? Like you see that, like it's, it has to, right? Like the pressure from the market's going to have to force them to open it back up a little bit more. I'm not an economist, but yeah. I am but, actually, Joe, would you like me to talk to you about the Keynesy? Would it, what would you like to talk about today? I'm uh, no, very I'm I, I think that, I think that there are some very real issues w- with the supply chain that were out of control of some people. Like um, there were not enough people because of COVID um, the, because they were sick um, that shut down the people to offload container ships. I think that yes, was a, yes. that's a very real problem. And then there was a shortage of drivers. I mean, right now, one of the things that that astounds me is the cost of freight right now is up thirty, about thirty to almost forty percent year over. And I just drove back from New York yesterday. I drive, I drive a lot. Wait, I travel. You drove from New York to Kentucky. Yeah. How long yeah. is that drive? Eleven hours. You can't, uh, you know, can't afford the flights. What's going on? Did you guys hit <laughs> some hard times. Sometimes. We fly sometimes, most of the time, but we drive. We drive if we're depending on what we're doing up there. What's you know. that drive? Let me hold on. So you're going to go through Western New York? Is that? Are you going through Pennsylvania? Yeah. What? Do you, which yeah. way? We go all the way across uh, through New York and then all through Route 80, all through Pennsylvania, essentially Akron, Cleveland, Columbus. Oh, the pretty parts of the country, you're yeah, saying. Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah the, drive from, the drive through Maryland and West Virginia into Kentucky is absolutely beautiful. It's about an hour longer. That's a, that's a beautiful drive if you, if you ever want to. Fu- yeah, it, we, know what it is, is after you, after Kentucky, if you're driving, anybody who's never done the cross-country drive – after you go from like Kentucky and you're continuing to head west, the only benefit to that drive is that you could fall asleep while you're doing and probably not hit anything. You're just, you it's, you're just yeah. flat and you're just, well, where am I now? I'm in Nebraska. 
I want to quickly, and I appreciate your thoughts on where we are with COVID, where we're going with the industry. And the the final thing I do want to talk about is this, is this new uh, batch 32 that you got coming out. These are the ones that people look forward to the most, right? They go crazy for it. Like they, they, they got to get them. That is true. Happily and luckily, we have a really great built-in audience of people who look forward to our products. And we do four batch, usually four batch releases, depending upon timing and and and, uh, and an, um, a new year release. And so people do look forward to them and they're around for a few months. And um, and and it's one of the, it, it was where we started and it's sort of the heart of what we do. And, and it is one of my favorite things that we do, which is to blend these and make them really unique and different. Um, and so batch 32 is the next next release in the series um i think we start we talked about a little bit it's um it's age dated five years but you know with all of our products um there uh we put the, the youngest barrel in there so you'll see a lot of times you'll see five years um on our label but it's made up of five six seven ten whatever whatever is the right combination of barrels um and so and 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 that's always been our mission, which is to create the best blend, the best thing that we can. But this was, this was a really a particularly fun one. Um, it comes in at about 115.3 proof, give or take, uh, but no, 115.34. 3.4 is what mine is here. Yeah. That's what we got. Um, and this is uh, one of the things about this, this uh, I like things when it's, when it's evocative, when something strikes you. Um, I, I'll tell you a quick story. There was a, um, there was a single, barrel selection that I was doing with somebody. Uh, it was uh, Harry's Harry's Wine Spirit in Fairfield, Connecticut. I love Patrick. that spot. Yeah, it's, I've, it's, never, it's, never, never been there. Oh, it's a, it's, he's, a, he's a really nice, really good retail store. And anyway, I pulled some barrels from to try. And there was one that just, uh, I, I I kept, there was, I had, it was evocative of a memory. And then I let him taste them. And he goes, this tastes like a woodpile in a, on a screen porch in the summer in the rain. And I was like, I showed him my notes. That was exactly what I wrote down on my tasting notes. So you're like, bingo, I got something here. I, he, of course he bought that one right away. And so this one, this particular, this particular bourbon has a little bit of chopping wood in the, in the yard in the late summer, not as wet, but not wet wood, dry wood. <laughs> We we will we will go around and around on on being very precise on tasting notes here. Um, so this is not wet wood; it's dry late summer wood chopped in the backyard. Okay, there you have it. <laughs> uh, you know, I do a lot of chopping of wood out here in uh, out in Venice. I do actually, though. I, I don't chop it myself. I, there's a place down the street. I buy it. You go down to oh you got there's a oh so there's a place in Venice where you go and chop wood and they charge you to do that. No, you don't chop yeah. it. You just buy it. It's already chopped. Oh, uh, the, the I, mar- thought, marina. I thought it was. A, I thought that was a new CrossFit exercise. Huh? <laughs> well, yeah, that and they charge you two hundred dollars to come in and you yeah. don't even get to keep the wood. Um, yeah, but that we might be- actually do that here. We might have people roll barrels. It'll be our new aerobics program. We'll get you to barrel. <laughs> Hard you to do it. This is a good then, idea, man. This is a I good mean, idea. You could you could get this as a workout program. You got a bunch of people in 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 spandex pants pushing barrels up the thing. You're like, how much are you paying them? They're paying me. It's crazy. Yeah, they're paying me. Get on that. I hey, everybody heard it. If you see that later, Joe would never steal my idea. Um, well, look, man, it is it's always a an absolute pleasure to talk to you. You 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 enlighten me. 
Every time we talk, I feel like I'm smarter when I get by the end of it. And uh, Barrel Craft Spirits is, I've been talking about it for years, ever since I got introduced many years ago at Pebble Beach Food and Wine. And I always look forward to, to what you got coming out next, Joe. And and uh, and I always look forward to talking to you, my friend. It was so great to see you again. And have a have a great. I know I know your plans for the next couple of weeks. Have a great have a great time, Joe Beatrice. Everybody, Barrel Craft Spirits, and we'll be back on the other side of this break. Yo ho ho, and a bottle of rum. What you don't like my singing voice? Whatever. I want to be singing about rum anyway. I'd rather be drinking it. When I'm home alone on my couch, dressed up like a pirate, my go-to rum is Batiste. Batiste rum is the first sustainable American craft rum. It's the only known beverage alcohol in the world to have a climate-positive natural production process without the purchase of carbon offsets. Or Cardi B's offset, for that matter. Though I love to dance to his music when I'm all rummed up and dressed like a pirate. Batiste rum is made from 100% pure fresh cane juice, not molasses or sugar crystals. If you like your tequila 100% agave, then you'll love your rum 100% cane juice. And right now, I've got a couple of offers for you, dear listener. Go to BatisteRum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. Fill up your shopping cart and enter code WWD15 at checkout to get 15% off all your orders. And if you want their delicious reserve rum? Enter code RESERVE. You get 20% off. That's cold hard cash. Batiste rum is my jam. Make it yours too. It's proof that great taste with true sustainability is not a goal for tomorrow, but a reality today. I had some people over recently and the homemade drinks were a-flowing. All my guests were like, dude, these are the best friggin' cocktails I've ever had. You're an amazing mixologist. And I was like, damn straight I am. What my guest didn't know is I was cheating a little bit. Of course, I used top-shelf booze in the drinks, and you gotta do that. But I wasn't juicing the limes or pureeing the prickly pears or grinding up the jalapenos that made my cocktail so great. All I did was order Fresh Victor. Fresh Victor is a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers that brings the magic of master mixologists into your home with contemporary flavors designed to suit any palate. All of the ingredients are fair-trade sourced. There's no artificial anything. The mixers are produced at a 100% solar-powered juicing plant with absolutely no waste. Fresh Victor is here to let you put down the citrus press and get back to the party. Right now, Fresh Victor is offering a juicy deal to my listeners. Simply go to FreshVictor.com and at checkout, enter promo code WWD20 to get 20% off your order. You want to throw a party? Throw a party and treat yourself and your guests to the very best mixers on the market. And that's Fresh Victor. Yeah, life goes on. Living is gone. Oh, yeah, life goes on. Hello. Have you ever had a girlfriend named Diane? I have not, but that would be convenient, wouldn't it? With me right now, the man, he's been on the show numerous times. We love having him on all the time. You know him from Booge Traveler on the 
channel formerly known as the Travel Channel. I don't know what the hell it's called now. Jack Maxwell's with us. Hey, Dan. Good to see you, man. You too. Thanks for having me. Wait, did, you never had a Diane? Not n- Never a Diane and never a Jill, actually. Oh, Jack and Jill. That's yeah. right. Probably for that reason. They have you, ever, they have you ever had a abuse. girlfriend named Coke? Like Coco or something? <laughs> like Jack and Coco? No. I no. miss out on all the fun. All right. Good to have you, man. Cheers. Cheers. We just jamming out. We're in studio together today. Mm. It's rare that that happens. Oh, good stuff. And mm, we are, you know, we've got, we're doing the barrel craft spirits today with Joe Beatrice on the show as well. But Jack and I are sipping on some old fashions. You make a good old fashioned, Dan. Made with the barrel seagrass. Look at that. Jack's checking out the double gold San Francisco World Spirits Competition. What's the proof on that thing? Uh, what do we got? 59. Is that right? 0.11%. Written by hand so you know it's Right, and it's special. legit. <laughs> what do you think of this stuff? It's, it's delicious, isn't it? It sure is. I mean, especially almost 60% alcohol. 120 proof, but you make a great old fashioned, so you know how to just. Well, you know, I just do a little sugar cube. I do a little Dale DeGroff. We know famous bartender Dale DeGroff. Of course. I do Dale's pimento bitters. Mm -hmm. That's what I use. A little sugar cube. I take a little uh, liquid death soda water, and I put a little bit of that in there, and I I muddle that up, and then I pour in the, uh, the barrel seagrass. You know, I give them a lot of credit because rye, which is. Little hot, little spicy seagrass has nothing to do with rye, you would think. No, but look what's what else it says on there. Look oh, here the fi- we go. And this the is what? finishing. Finished in Martinique rum, Madeira, and apricot brandy barrels. So are you picking up those notes? What are you getting? Mm. Well, it's hard to say. If, if I drank it straight, maybe I'd do better. Maybe we'll but get a your old-fashioned is so our, nice here. We have our PA here. Got PA, everything. Jason, do you mind grabbing a glass so that <laughs> our PA, Jason Driver, everybody loves him. He's here, and he is going to grab a glass or two or three. Jason, you can even have some. You're doing a good job today. So, Jack, how you been, man? Everything going all right? Yeah, it's good. I had a battle with covid and uh, I got over that, you know, welcome to America, right? Everyone's gotten it one time or another. I'm not glad me. I'm still around. I have not. As far as, never I know, it. as far as I know, I haven't had it. I've not felt sick or I should stop talking because I feel like I'm jinxing myself. <laughs> you're, bringing, you're bringing the gods of COVID your way. Is that it? Let me ask you a question, though, since we're, we're having an old fashioned here. Yes. Thank you, Jason. Uh, we're having an old fashioned. Thanks, Jason. What do you prefer, old fashioned or Manhattan? You know, it's 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 how it's made, but you make a really good old fashioned. Okay. I love to taste the spirit. Right. You know, when they mix it all up, it's not even a cocktail when it's it's a punch where it's so much sugar and juice and all of that. So I like these good old fashioned. So we're gonna try we're gonna try this seagrass neat. And I wanna get your you are the you were the host of Booze Traveler. So let's hear what you got to say about this. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Blind taste test. Hang mm. on. Now I taste the spirit, 60% alcohol. Now It's in there, and it's spicy, Mm. man. That rye is spicy. But I get a little bit of sweet on the back, though, From I think, from the finishing. Really, uh, I get some grassy uh, uh, notes, some, uh, uh, how would you say it? I don't want to say ocean. It's called seagrass. Well, that's what they're doing. But a little bit of, Saline. Saline, saline. that's what I was going for, the saline. 
a little bit of fruit. You know, it's uh, what you wouldn't expect in a rye, clearly, because it's that old slide down the shot glass in the old west. (laughs) Give me some rye, bartender. Rot gut. That's the thing. Rye's got that sort of really cool history, right? Reputation. I used to watch uh, Deadwood on HBO. There you go. Give me a rye. Now, Jack, when you traveled all over the world doing Booze Traveler, though, you were trying lots of different stuff. But if you had to go, you know, we're doing the desert island thing. You get to take three types, categories of spirit with you. What are you taking? Desert island. I go rum, sure. All right. You're alone in a room locked up and you're going to drink yourself uh, forever. Uh, bl- no, to kidding. oblivion. To oblivion. <laughs> no, I, I guess what, maybe the easier thing would be, what are your three favorite spirits? What's your go-to? Well, you know, I've always been a cocktail guy. I appreciate the science, the art of the creation. So, uh, you know, and a bartender would make a good bartender makes a good difference, right? Makes a big difference. Sure. Uh, for instance, you know, not many people have had them, I'm sure, but a piece goes sour. Oh. And the way it was made in front of me, it's just so wonderful. And you could still taste the spirit. There, yeah. Get... Now, I, uh, I, was, I was recently at an event in Colorado. And I happened to, I was watching a bartender doing a drink that called for an egg white. And I caught it out of the corner of my eye. A little bit of yolk got in there, and he left it in. Yeah. How dare And I, I actually called him out on it after. I go, hey, by the way, I saw you a little yolk in there. He, a little and yolk, he looked yeah. at me like, what the fuck's your fucking problem? Wow. <laughs> what are you? What are you? <laughs> the egg police? What are you, the egg police? <laughs> <laughs> by the way, all right, Jack, I want to bring this up. On the same trip. Yeah. It was to Aspen, Colorado, okay? Your old I, haunting. My well, old haunting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, let me get your opinion on this. Sure. I'm coming back. Flying back, it being Aspen, every it's a tiny airport there, right? So they got one guy that's TSA guy that's checking everybody's IDs and everything. So, But they got the TSA pre, and then they got the regular line. Now, it being Aspen, everybody's got TSA pre, right? Sure. Including me. But nobody's in the regular line. When I walk up, there's about 40 people in the TSA pre line, and about five, I'm not exaggerating, in the regular line. <laughs> of course. But no one wants to get out of TSA Pre because then you're seeding some status, right? And you don't want to do that. And aspect. you're taking off your shoes. I don't give a shit, right? <laughs> so I will. I look up and I go, but he's alternating. He's doing regular line TSA, but he's alternating. He's not even. So I go, well, shit, I'll get in a, I'll get in a regular line. What, what a sociological test that is, So right? I get in the regular line and, you know, very quickly in... And again, this is a tiny airport. No one's going anywhere anyway. It's not like you're like, oh my God, I got to get through here and run to my gate. Sure. All the gates are right there. Right? right. So I go up, my turn comes up, and I go to the guy and I go, oh, by the way, uh, I'm TSA pre. So on the left, which is where I was, is where you got to go through the body scan. You're not TSA pre. On the right, TSA pre, you just go right through the little metal thing. It doesn't matter. So when I get up to him and show my idea, I go, hey, I'm TSA Pre. And he goes, oh, go over here to the TSA Pre. And the guy in front of me that's waiting, putting his shit through the conveyor belt goes, hey, you just hopped the line. <laughs> and I went, no, I didn't. I was in that line. Right. And he goes, yeah, but then you belong over there. And he was oh, like man. really irate about it. And I go, what are you, the line police? Who cares? And he goes, you know who cares? All those people that are still waiting. I go, they could get in the other line. And then, and then he, goes, <laughs> he goes, he goes, he calls me a jerk. What no. a jerk! And I go, hey man, why don't you mind your own business? And then the 
the TSA, the woman was doing the scanning. She stops and goes, gentlemen, we should stop this now because I don't think either one of you would like to miss your flight today. Over a jerk. But by the way. Was in, I wrong? I'm time, not wrong. Well, in this time, it's pretty mild. Jerk is mild. So Jer- Jerk's mild. But here, let me say this. There's no rule that says I can't get in the regular line. No, of course even not. Even though I'm TSA pre. But he's saying that I should have to go over that. What? Fuck you. And, and, and then I was thinking about it. This is what it is. You gamed the system. A lot of the guys that go to Aspen, they're wealthy. Maybe they were born wealthy, whatever. They're so used to, ha- to having people you know, be subservient to them and kiss their ass and do whatever. I'm guessing that maybe he didn't think you know, I'm in the Aspen airport. I should keep my mouth shut because I might get my teeth knocked out, right? Like, I'm not doing this at JFK. Right. You know, in the regular, because somebody just, fuck you, boom. But I, that's what I was thinking to myself. I'm going to knock this guy's teeth out. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't do it. Jeff. Oh, that's good because you not only would have you would have missed your flight, you might have gone to airport jail. jail. Then maybe they put you on a no fly, which would really hurt you as much as you travel and yes. go to events and things. This would be terrible. So, so, oh, so let me ask you: If it was more than jerk, if he called you an asshole or or a motherfucker, something that really might have dug a little. I don't deeper. think it was. It wasn't even what he called me. It was just the fact that he was even. Why are you in my shit right now, man? Right. Like, who? What do you care? You're through. Go, go to your gate. And so, so nothing the, he could have said would upset you. That to the point where you throw a punch at his head. No, but it, and this is it gets better. And I get in, and then it's very tiny at airport. I'm going to L.A. He was a couple. All the gates are literally right next to each other. And I sit down, and I run into somebody I know, and I'm talking to them, and I look over, and he's telling somebody this story about me because he's pointing at me. And I'm like, what? Can't let What's go. wrong with you, man? Like, what? What would make someone get that angry? Maybe because he didn't think of it. Maybe number one, number two, and I think which is really might be number one: the, the quality of his life. He's not appreciative. He's not grateful for what he has. So then he has. To, some people rise by bringing other people down. So they have to go around. You know, they're the ones that spy out the window and say, "Who's that? Who's that? What are you doing over there? Getting out of the, in other people's business." And you're not happy if you like it's it's the old cliche hurt people hurt who cares you get in front of them so what I would yeah. say hey good for you buddy you figured out a way and it's not like he's gonna miss his flight he still had time to sit there and talk and point at you we sat he's just there an for unhappy a, we, guy. Were, we sat there for a half hour I would have bought, I would have bought him a drink and said listen I'm doing a, I'm doing a, a, a social experiment let's have a drink what, what what's going through your mind every day can I, you have can to, I interest you in a <laughs> barrel seagrass my friend yeah, Maybe, exactly. What's the proof on that? That would have chilled him out. Almost 60. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. That would have chilled him out. It's chilling me out. Oh, by the way, answer number two. Also, Pisco Sour, not to get back. Of course, right. this is no. your show. So we're going cocktail. Caldo de Frutas. Oh. You ever have a Caldo de Frutas, Danny oh, Boy? Oh, yeah, I have. Guatemala. That, that's This is one of the great homemade drinks of all time. They sit around. They throw this fruit in this alcohol that sits there for sometimes weeks or months. And it just, you, you get all this dark cherry and blueberry, all this wonderful heaviness of fruit. Nothing like bananas and pineapples, usually not that. And it's just so great. And the, the mix is wonderful. And they serve it to everybody who comes like you'd make tea for someone if you were in England or something. It was great. Loved it. If you could still do the show now would you want to go back and do it again oh that was would such you a want to go time. i mean it was amazing different world now and right by the way, if, if, for those of you who haven't seen it can they find it is it where is it now that's a good question i get that question all the time i i think it's on discovery plus 
So I'm told. And then uh, I guess if you Google where to find it, someone told me it's on Hulu. I don't know. You know, I've I've watched the episodes to see how they cut them, but I've never seen an episode more than once, to be honest. Do you have a hard time watching yourself on TV? No, because I was an actor for 20 years before that. So I got over that soon. I also got over, oh, look, that's me acting with whoever. You know, I don't care about that either. That lasted a, a couple of episodes of whatever I did early on because it's weird. It's the fir- like the first time you hear your voice recorded. You see yourself on a TV show or in a movie. After that, you say, okay, I get it. I don't even watch a lot of things I do now. Okay. So I guess what I was at wondering is, you know, when, how long ago? When did you do the last season? How many years ago was it? Uh, it aired 2018. Okay, so you're. But when did you do that? Sixteen. Seventeen. Seventeen. So we're talking five years ago. So you were what? Almost. You're thirty-two then. Thirty-three. <laughs> I was seven. Uh, okay. As in my early fifties. I guess my point is this, Jack. Yes. Sir. As you get older, and as I get older, I find that travel gets to be, you know, exhausting. It's not as fun as it used to be to travel. So would you want to, if someone came back to you right now and said, Jack? We want to bring back Booze Traveler. We're going to put you on the road for half the year. You're going to do 20 episodes all over the world. Would you do it? Hmm. How long do I get to think about that? <laughs> it's such a different world now because travel takes a lot longer with masks and COVID, and which is horrible. I mean, the, the world is dying from this terrible uh, disease that's just rampaging through the world. Uh, I don't know if I could do it the same way. You know, if I go into a village and hear that 50 or 60 natives died uh, or they're, you know, or even if it was in a big right, city. Let me let me say this. Let's yeah. say let's fast forward a little. COVID has subsided. We've gotten past it for the most part. Just would the travel get to Do you feel like you'd be able to muster? Because that's the thing, right? You got to be genuine. Sure. And you were when you were on Thank that you. show. And we, our mutual friend Zane, I've said the same thing to Zane Lamprey. Your enthusiasm for what you guys were doing always shone through on those shows. Do you think at this point in your life you would be enthusiastic enough to go? They're saying, "Hey, Jack, we're gonna we're gonna take you to uh, this place near base camp in Nepal." It's a bar, and they serve a, a finger, a severed finger. You know this play. You know, yeah, they put like it in the drink, toe. and you got to do it. It's, it's the toe. That's it. Yeah. The severed toe. But it's going to take you four flights, and you got to get it with Sherpa, and you got to go. Do you do you have it in you at this point? Do you still have that sense of adventure? Yes, you do. I, I just love loved so much of it. I would go back in a heartbeat. You know, of course, you make the adjustments, and I'd get a little more tired. Probably, I'd have to sleep a little longer at night. But I just love doing it. It was really an honor to be able to go around the world and to bring the culture of these people through what they drink uh, to a television audience or online or wherever it would end up eventually. Uh, I think I would I would find a way to get that energy because that was going, when I was going through my cancer battle. And uh, I certainly came out of it uh, a different person in a sense, obviously, because you go through that and a few years of chemo and a couple other things. But I feel great now. And I'd love to go back and finish up. We only did 73 episodes of that show, if you include Best Bars, 10 of that. So only 63 of Booze Traveler itself, 10 of Booze Traveler, Best Bars, and three of the trip. So I would, I would say there's so many places left on earth to go to. I'd like to go back to some. I signed a... Uh, 
an aged beer in Amsterdam and a fort where they that they used to fight off the Nazis and at, they age it for five years and it's been about six. So it'd be just right now, a nice dark beer. Of course, you can't age like beers. At least they didn't there. Uh, I would love to go back. Maybe some of the same places and a bunch of new ones. I'd do it in a minute. Jason, our, our PA who brought us out the glass for the whiskey, he's uh, Canadian. Did you do any episodes in Canada? Did not. We missed. And I'd love to go there. How do you not? Montreal. How, wait, how do you do a drinking show and not go to Canada? That's Only all they 60 do episodes, there. my friend. As the, as the saying goes, I haven't been everywhere, but it's on the list. Man, I... Uh, I, didn't, I didn't plan them, by the way. Jason's you know, from Newfoundland. Newfie. My grandmother was born there. So they do a thing in Newfoundland. It's called... It's it's a rum. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Jason. It's called Screech, and you before you drink the Screech, you got to kiss a a cod, kiss a fish, a fish. <laughs> you got to kiss the fish, and then you drink the Screech. So let me ask you, Jack, what's the weirdest thing you ever did when you did uh, when you did booze travel? How much time you got? <laughs> well, just, all right, how about this? I'll just I'll throw these out, and you tell me what it is. All right, Jason, you're in on this too. Uh, cow urine in India. It's a hangover cure. Uh, how about wait, wait, frog- wait, wait, wait. Stay, you can't, you can't, you can't go. How about that? I was going to give you four. So wait, is it straight cow urine? Do they water it down? What right, they- right, right from the mama cow. Do no, they cool not- it off? No, right out of the out of the udder. Yeah. Well, Get, wait, no, wait. not out. Yeah, I guess. So wait, wait. They the cow pisses, uh-huh. and then you drink. I, I, I think milk comes out of the other. I think. No, not the other. You're right. Yeah, the other, yeah. Whatever they pee. Yeah. The cow pisses. Mm-hmm. So they what gotta, they do is they reach under it and tickle it, and it gets a little. You just get a little squirt, and you're supposed to drink it because it it it. Uh, what it does is it, it cures your hangover. Oh, I had bull's testicles. Well, everybody said bull's that. penis and the, Sicily. Yeah, we had the, what they called and, the Colorado uh, uh, and soup and hash and Armenia uh, sour plum soup. There's a lot of great hangover cures, but that's okay. So you have cow urine, cow blood with the uh, in Tanzania with the Maasai warriors, cow blood with honey wine, right from the neck. It shoots out. They shoot him in the in the neck with an, a blunted arrow, and a stream comes out of his neck, and they catch it in a gourd. Then they patch it up and send him on his way. Uh, oh, it doesn't only, kill him. No, no, they're just trying to get the bliss. It's like drawing blood, a pint of blood at the Red Cross. But it's they patch it up with uh, cow manure. And uh, he just takes off and says, "Wait, wait hold on a second. Yeah, because this sounds like an indignity that my. Not only do they <laughs> they shoot the fucking cow in the neck, they, they and then they stick his own shit in his neck. That's it to, to heal him. Jesus, that's kind of that's what that's what stops the bleeding. They don't. Yeah, they don't have a lot of band aids there because they live in so wait, huts so made you of get dung. The, you get the cow's blood and then they mix it with what? Honey wine. I think you told me about this. It was horrible though, right? Uh, well, it was different, but you see my face is all bloody. It's in my teeth. It's so warm and silky drinking the blood. It's more blood than honey wine, but this is what they do. So that would be another one. How about frog in a blender in Peru? They take a frog, they skin it in front of you, throw it in a blender, mix it up with moonshine and a tree root and Wait, herbs. is all the shit in there? Like the bones and shit? Oh, everything, like- yeah. Oh, my whole, God. Whole frog. This sounds like the Bassomatic 76. <laughs> that's exactly what I thought when she was doing it. You I get said, the whole bass. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Where's Dan Aykroyd when oh, you need him, right? No. Wasn't it him who did that? Yeah, it was Dan Aykroyd. 
Yes, fish eaters, the days of troublesome scaling, cutting, and gutting are over. Because Super Bassomatic 76 is the tool that lets you use the whole bass with no fish waste without scaling, cutting, or gutting. Here's how it works. Catch a bass, remove the hook, and drop the bass. That's the whole bass into the Super Bassomatic 76. Now adjust the control dial so that that bass is blended just the way you like it. So uh, funny, yeah. <laughs> and then the other one is spit beer in the Amazon. Spit beer. The women of the of the of the tribe they chew up this uh, potato like root and they through their teeth they have the certain way to spit it out into a big banana bowl that's the length of I don't know five or six feet and then they uh, let it ferment a couple of days or a week or longer the more you let it ferment the stronger it gets it only gets between one and two and three percent really they feed it give it to the kids and everything. And uh, it's very strange. To me, the idea of that was hard to get over. I did the frog because once you can drink, you drink anything, I suppose. The cow urine was kind of strange. But when you mix it with alcohol, like uh, the the cow blood or uh, frog in a blender, there was a lot of moonshine in there, of course, or their local moonshine, kashasha, whatever they use. Uh, so it was really interesting. But I don't know. Of those, what would you say? What would the last one you do of well, that? If any of those that you mentioned, cow what would blood, I do? Cow urine, frog in a blender, spit beer. What do you got? Oh, man. I'd probably do the cow blood. Last? No, you're... I, which I, which I, one wouldn't you do? If you had to do three out of the four, let's say, what was the last one you'd pick? Which one would you not want to do? The frog in the blender is grossing me out. That's weird, right? Jason, what do you got? Yeah, frog in a blender? Yeah, no, it's, I, it's funny. What is your... Guilty pleasure. So a drink that, you know, your boys back in Boston, you're from Southie, Micah, what the fuck are you drinking that for? You know, like. Oh, okay. Yeah. If I drank something that's a little out of character, but I really like. You know, when I was in Havana, such a strange place. It's stuck in 1959, as you know. And at the time. You know, I mean, obviously things have changed a bit, but it was rare to be able to go to Cuba and to do that and to drive around in those cars and just the whole experience, what the mob was like back then and before Batista seeded it to Castro and it had stuck right there and I had the best mojito I ever had. It just tasted so different. It's the difference between like a garden tomato and something you get at the store or lettuce or anything from the garden, blueberries, anything that you'd find versus the store waxy stuff. This mojito and the experience of being on a roof of this hotel, uh, it just changed everything for me. I think it's what you drink to me is a lot of it is the atmosphere and the people you're Wait, with yeah, and all of that. Mojito is not a wimpy drink. I'm, I'm talking about. Oh, I thought I, you said it would be. No, I'm saying like. My friends right, in Southie would give me a hard time about drinking mojitos. Believe me. I'm from Philly. I would say my friends are going to be. I like. Cosmo. Nice Cosmo. Nice pink Cosmo. I like, <laughs> I like vanilla vodka with a little bit of Coke. Little 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 Coca Cola and vanilla vodka. Sure. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it is. that's that's kind of weird. Yeah, that's I, yeah. I would I say that's good. I agree. It's not it's my go to. It's not one. It's not one where if you're like, you, we were talking about Deadwood earlier. You know, you know, like you walk in and you go, hey, give me some of that barrel seagrass rye. Sure. Fuck, and you get it. You take it down. <laughs> you can't walk in and go, hey, I'll take a vanilla vodka and and Coke, please. Yeah, that's, that's right. Give me, give me a car bomb. Give me. You know, we used to drink Sex on the Beach as a kid, right? Because it was easy to drink. Uh, I haven't had one of those in in forever. Whiskey sour. I, I never was really had, much you for the girl. Sex 
period in, in forever, right? Never mind on the beach. It's been forever, <laughs> right? But um, bump. But let me tell you, folks. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't I haven't really been a fan of the girly stuff mostly. I mean, once in a while. But my go-to, if and I thought would fit that category, would be a a, a really great coup. Cubano mojito. A Cubano mojito. Now, with this, the barrel seagrass, we're having the old-fashioned. What else would you do with this? If you're you're entertaining with a rye whiskey, anything special you'd want to do? You know, I, I've never been a big user of rye, to be honest. It's it's not a, a spirit people ask for. Like, if you're entertaining, they go bourbon, they go whiskey, they go rum, of course. Uh, and in all the other variations thereof, if you're going to make a cocktail, rye is not the most popular spirit. Good, don't get me wrong, and certainly making a comeback as a lot of the brown spirits are. But I mean, rye was king in oh, the United it States. Absolutely was back in the back. You know, pre-prohibition. Uh, certainly, pre-prohibition rye was what everybody was drinking. Absolutely, up in uh, the East Eastern Corridor and Maryland and all of that. Then they drove them down south, and that became moonshine. They started making bourbon because they hit Tennessee and whiskey. Uh, yeah, rye was king for sure. But uh, I think it's the rum that made the colonies, of course. You know, as they it came up from the islands and all of well, that. Rum has a. Uh, I mean, I love rum. It's got a slightly problematic history. Just going to say, you another know, episode, uh, another yeah, episode. That, we'll get into that another time. <laughs> Jack, what are you up to these days? What do you got going on? Everybody wants to know what Jack Maxwell's doing. Well, as you said, I would probably say yes, I'm sure, to another opportunity like Booze Traveler, but you have to create your own opportunities, kick open your own door. So I'm going to try to create a show or two uh, that has a mix, let's say, without giving away too much, of my past on Booze Traveler with uh, maybe some new ideas, maybe freshen it up a bit, like you'd freshen a cocktail, maybe. And uh, we'll see if we get anywhere with those. So stay tuned, folks. You can follow me at Southie Jack. And that's not selfie. Every time I say Southie, they say selfie. It's Southie, S-O-U-T-H-I-E, J-A-C-K-O. Just look up my name, Jack Maxwell, on Twitter and Instagram, and I'll keep everybody posted. Well, Jack... Always love having you on, man. You're, you're you're welcome back anytime. Great to be here. You make a good cocktail. I'll come just for the cocktails. We'll podcast for cocktails. The great Jack Maxwell, everybody. Thanks, Dan. That's going to do it for this episode, folks. Oh, I got to go lay down. The back's killing me. I want to thank Joe Beatrice for joining us. Jack Maxwell, of course. Once again, reminding you, Friday, March 25th, the Stan Comedy Club. Go to thestanmyc.com for tickets to see what we're drinking with Dan Dunn and friends live. Adam Kroll Show, March 16th, Wednesday, March 16th. I'll be on there. And, uh, folks, I know you got a lot of options out there in the podcast sphere. Easy for me to say. Uh, you know, you can listen to a lot of podcasts and you listen to this one. And, and I love you for that. Thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.